Greetings and welcome to Dead for Filth. I'm your host, Michael Verratti, and this is the podcast for all things queer, horror, and beyond. Well, it is August 29th, and if you're a fan of Terminator 2, that means it is Judgment Day. Uh... Also, it is a famous birthday of people such as Charles Gray, who was the criminologist in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, William Friedkin, director of The Exorcist, and it's also my birthday. And if you have been keeping up with the show, this is a thing that we like to do every year uh, thus far and have a special birthday mini-sode. So we're just going to cause some chaos because that's what I like to do on my day. And I am joined by some people who are going to help me do that. Uh, returning to the show is a dear friend, co-creator of the marvelous enemies of Dorothy, Ryan Fisher. Welcome back. Hello, thank you, Michael. Happy and, birthday, Michael. Oh, thank you, Ryan. And as you know, anytime I do a special episode, I like to bring the people behind the scenes in who make this magic happen. And joining us once again is super producer Drew Phillips. Welcome to the show, Drew. Hello, thank you, and happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but uh, Frank Hennenlauter, uh, writer and director of Basket Case, has a uh, August 29th birthday, uh, Ingrid Bergman. Uh, I don't know. I think Judgment Day is the coolest part that, of it all. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to tell. William Friedkin, that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, there was a period of time when uh, Friedkin and I would exchange uh, messages on our birthdays thanks to the uh, wild world of um, social media. We connected a long time ago. I don't even know why I think I'd written an article about cruising or something, and we realized that we both shared a birthday. He's always doing something way more fabulous <laughs> because he, like, he's just like, I'm in Madrid right now with exorcist money. You know? so like, yeah. You're not in Madrid. We're not in Madrid. Yeah. I hate this to, is not Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Madrid. Okay. Well, as we like to do on uh, special episodes, uh, I have some, some fun questions and some movie recommendations to make, but first let's just catch up. Like how have things been Ryan, since you were last on the show, it was sort of a special episode last time you were here, too, because uh, it was our Christmas, Christmas special. Yeah. Eee. So what's uh, what's life like uh, and how have you been doing? How are the enemies since uh, the holidays? Well, the enemies are wonderful. We're just as uh, rambunctious as ever. Uh, we had a little stint at Outfest, uh, which was fun. I saw both of you there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a really great uh, kind of experience sort of catapulting us forward. A lot of sketches coming out every week. Uh, a lot of good ones in the works and um, a lot of this, you know, you've you've sort of infiltrated the enemy HQ and uh, we can't really do it without you now, Michael. Well, I don't know about all that, but I am <laughs> happy to be part of the, the team. Yeah, we've got a lot of good, fun stuff coming up that uh, we're sort of sitting on, but uh, you, you'll get hints here and there from uh, from us. A lot of the fun things that we got, BTS. Excellent, excellent. And Drew, what have you been up to lately? Uh, moving to Glendale, moving on up in the world, uh, and living the life here, getting all the stuff ready at Reverie, and have a really fantastic release schedule up every week, which is always fun. Is there anything particular, enjoyable. particular that's coming out on Reverie that you're really excited about? Well, we are incredibly excited for Room to Grow, which premiered at Outfest. Uh, just a couple months ago, and it should be uh, coming out in about a month or two. I'm doing the mental gymnastics of thinking that today is the 29th. It is absolutely the 29th. It is. It is indeed. Don't break the illusion, Drew. No, I'm just doing math. <laughs> There's no illusion to math. Uh, so Room to Grow, I did see at Outfest, but tell me a little bit about what that project is for listeners who might be interested in engaging with that. It's a really beautiful documentary about... Um, 
a swath of kids across uh, America between, I believe, like six and 18 that are all somewhere on the queer spectrum, all growing up and coming to terms with their identity in their own worlds and in their own suburban communities. And it's great to be living in Los Angeles where like everything rains rainbows and unicorns occasionally and healthcare is very kind to such things. Right. Uh, but growing up in Indiana, I can absolutely appreciate these kids who are growing up in Salt Lake City and very Mormon countries and parts of the Midwest and I believe Ohio and Texas. And there's a trans man who is in uh, JRTC who wants to join the military around the same time that Trump started on his no trans in the military brigade and how that has an effect on him. And it's just so amazing and beautiful to look at these kids who are so self-affirmed in their identities, so young and just being so confident and loud. And it does a lot for the spirit and it puts me in a puddle every single time. Well, I mean, I think kids truly are going to change the future because uh, if we leave it in the hands of, of the people who are doing it now, it's not going to happen. So, nope. uh, But that's a great film recommendation. And from a touching film recommendation, let's move into terrifying film recommendations. Uh, your, your assignment for today's special episode, uh, because it is a birthday episode, and what is a birthday if not a celebration, I want both of you to recommend to me and our listeners a horror film that you think would be good to screen at a celebration. But I'm going to put a caveat in. There are some slasher films from the 80s that are birthday oriented, including the Canadian Happy Birthday to Me and Bloody Birthday, which features an early appearance from gay icon Julie Brown. I'm taking those off the table because it's too easy to use those no! as a birthday. <laughs> that was literally what I was going to say. I just saw Happy Birthday to me. Oh, it's the best. At uh, the Slashathon. Were you there for that one? I was there for that one. Oh, yeah. Um, at Mark Bessinger's house. Did it make you hungry for kebabs? It, oh, it sure did. Sexy, sexy kebabs. <laughs> I have these ready. I will take a pause, though, to discuss that uh, Happy Birthday to Me is a brilliant film. Uh, it's really kind of like gritty and dirty uh, Canadian slasher. I think Canada doesn't get enough credit for some of the horror movie output that they had during My the Bloody 80s. Valentine. My Bloody Valentine, Funeral Home, Curtains, mm -hmm. uh, Happy Birthday to Me. Mm -hmm. uh, I do believe that Silent Night, Deadly Night, I could be wrong, was a Canadian production that made its way here. I, that, I thought so. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for uh, affirming that, because if it's wrong, <laughs> then at least I'm not alone. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I like happy birthday to me, but, um, I just want to, I want to go a little more afield. What, what makes you feel celebratory? It doesn't have to be birthday oriented, but like what's, I've got a group of people. Let's, let's get this party started. And here's the VHS tape. I pop in the laser disc. I close the lid on the DVD. I press play on the streaming platform that we're waiting to buffer. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Well, I um I, I just had one of these sort of celebration nights that you came a bit late to, Michael, was uh, we watched Rocky Horror Picture Show. Now, that was a celebration. Truly. Now, but that was uh, that, that's something where I would think of, uh, you know, I've seen a hundred and twenty times and it is very horror. You sort of forget with all the queer singing and dancing and glamour and glitz. But I, uh, my boyfriend, Christopher, the other co-creator for Enemies of Dorothy, uh, he had never seen it. He was a virgin. And so it was quite a celebration. Our roommate as well didn't see it. So, um, you know, we had uh, our, our friend Frank Jaffe 
was there and he um, he had all of the shout outs all the the call outs for uh, any sort of like a sh- shadow screening midnight screening of it and that was coupled with people who had never seen it before so it, it really like I, I I think that is a great celebration film right now I did come late this is true uh, and so I I didn't know that Frank was shouting out in your living room. Um, was Frank the only one doing audience participation? Yes, he was. <laughs> All right. In a room full of five people. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, Frank, thank you for keeping the spirit of the midnight movie alive. Uh, uh, well, you know, and uh, the spirit of celebration, truly. So yeah. it devolved into the lovely nails that uh, you have now. Yes, uh, I <laughs> currently have uh, a, a painted nail of a, what would we say? This is a, a glittery turquoise mm-hmm. uh, that were done upon my arrival at the party because they were all painting their nails and living a true spirit of, of Rocky Horror. I mean, mesh shirts, um, full on makeup party, uh, high heels. It just. I mean, to be fair, you were the only one that was in full-on makeup. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. My roommate did get a little bit. He got a oh, little okay. bit of makeup, but it did not look as fierce as mine. Mm-hmm. Mine was incredible. I didn't do it myself, but mine was incredible. You can see it on my Instagram. I will say that I was hoping that you were going to bring up Rocky Horror uh, because there is something truly celebratory about Rocky Horror, especially in the space here of Dead for Filth, because... Uh, when we look at the history of the queer intersection with horror, there are sort of benchmarks all along the way. And of course, Richard O'Brien's Rocky Horror Picture Show and the Rocky Horror Show as it was on on stage are a, a major milestone for sort of the crossover of what it means to put your full fantasy into the world of genre. I mean, literally, it's built right into the show. Don't dream it, be it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, frequently think about the movie... Uh, as the midnight movie. There are many midnight mm-hmm. movies, but mm-hmm. like there's got to be that one that sort of changed the landscape. And it really did because, you know, there were midnight movies before and there were screenings of kind of like the old black and white horror movies. But this one had an element of subversion to it that was really the draw. It was the otherness that people got to see themselves or project themselves, I guess, into the characters on screen. And so mm-hmm. that's where that, that, that history of shadow cast came yeah. from. Uh, and what I really, really like about Rocky Horror is um, it is the film in all of cinema history that has the longest theatrical run of any film ever. And the reason is it has never left the theaters. Yeah. Rocky Horror's theatrical run, I believe, is something like 45 years and counting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take that, Titanic. Uh, <laughs> but it's amazing. Like, I just think there's something really cool about like now in the era where, uh, as, as Drew said, there are parts of the country that it is rainbows and unicorns and things. But mm-hmm. uh, I think there are many parts of the country. I know there are many parts of the country that there are not. And the idea that that film... 40 plus years on is still a gateway for people finding themselves and finding their people. Yeah. I think it's more so about finding your people at this point. Like you see Rocky horror and then you go to a midnight screening and you're like, Oh, these are the other queer kids. These are the other mm-hmm. drag queens. These are their horror fans. Uh, you know, these are the other people who uh, know that meatloaf is really just uh, a Broadway star. Wanting <laughs> <laughs> to break out. I know. Uh, so I love Rocky horror. I think that's a really, really great suggestion. I think that um, you can't go wrong with that movie uh, in terms of just popping it on at a party that it always is uh, a delight. And I used to go and see it every uh, month in college when I was in Ohio in mm-hmm. college. And it was kind of like exactly what I said, a bastion for people who in the middle of uh, more conservative Ohio, your crowd that would go to see Rocky horror, those were your people. Um, 
but I had seen it so many times and then we'll move on to Drew's choice. I'd seen it so many times uh, that it like anything, you're just like, I don't know if I can see this one more time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a, a number of years passed mm-hmm. and I was somewhere and someone was like, let's watch this. And I was like, all right. And it's almost as if if you wait a while and you start Rocky Horror after you haven't seen it in a while, it's like seeing it again for the first Very time. Fresh, yeah. And there's something magical about it. Like, yeah. I think that's why it persists. Everyone's like, oh, it's fun because it's camp and oh, it's fun because it's queer. But there's something, it's a perfect storm of weirdness. Mm-hmm. And that cast is great. Tim Curry is next level. Like his mm-hmm. performance is like you, he's acting with every cell in his being like in the background, he's vamping up. Uh, I just love it. I think it's so cool. Yeah. I think it's an easy, I thought, you know, maybe that's too easy. Cause you know, I assume a lot of the listeners too have seen it a hundred times, but watch it with a virgin. All the more reason for a celebration. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. What a better uh, way to celebrate. Well, I have to ask because there were people in the room who had never seen it before. What was their reaction to it? I was so happy that, it was just incredibly positive. They were like, oh my, oh, I couldn't believe it. Like I, I'd seen, like I'd heard the time warp or I'd seen a scene on YouTube or something. And, and uh, they were just completely floored that it was such a full, good movie. It went in the direction it did. And they were like, oh, spoiler. Oh my God, he dies in the end. How does that, how, how did they, that's the way they ended. This is incredible movie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good. Welcome mm-hmm. to the. Uh, and like, honestly, I mean, we've talked about about Rocky on the show in the past, but I don't think we've ever dug into like it quite on this scale. So I think this is a good episode for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did write in an article years ago that I think that it should be the last movie uh, that is ever played uh, on in a theater before the end of the world. I yeah. think like if we mm-hmm. know that the world is going to end, uh, it's just like it, we should make sure that like one theater is open. It's like the last film that ever is projected. Truly midnight. Yeah. The truly midnight movie. Yeah. Yeah, Because like, as the world burns outside, we can do the time warp again one last time. (laughs) And that to me is exactly as a big queer horror nerd. All I need. So I'll, I'll cut that slice of cake. That's perfect. True. What are you thinking? Okay. So, the best kind of celebrations are busy as hell because you get the best kind of people over. You've got good food. Everyone's in a mood to be together and to be social. Mm-hmm. And I have learned the hard way. The worst thing to do is to put on a very heavy, very plot driven film. Okay. N- not more than one person is going to sit through the entire thing. People are going to mill, people are going to chat and mm-hmm. move around. So it's best to put on something that's not. Exactly cohesive. Mm-hmm. Something that's a little batshit insane. So I would like to recommend Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. Wow. A truly batshit insane film. I've seen it mm, at least 10 times. I could not tell you the plot of this film. <laughs> I could only tell you that it is Fulci's best achievement. It is one of the scariest goddamn movies in the world. And if you walk in on the spider scene, if you walk in on the acid scene, if you walk in on kid zombies, if you walk in on the sepia-toned beginning in New Orleans, no matter where you enter this movie, you're going to see some gnarly shit, and it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, you know, the thing is about The Beyond is I think it is definitively European horror. There, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it is, I think, probably mind-boggling to an American audience who is used to Saw, well, not, well maybe not Saw, or Scream, you know, that kind of era of glossy movie, because there's something, like, weirdly art house about it, but not entrenched enough that you 
feel daunted. Yeah. I think it's it's not like a, it's not a master's thesis, but it is a uh, it is definitely like a a grueling experience and terror. Uh, I like the Beyond a lot, and I'm, I have a great affinity for Italian horror films. Uh, of course, I agree with you that this is Fulci's uh, pinnacle moment. Um, I also am very fond of City of the Living Dead. I think the Oof. movie that he made right before or after that. Uh, but yeah, there's just something about the Beyond that is, I think, in a very different way. I, it's a party movie, but it's not a party like Rocky Horror's. Oh a party. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 right, right. yeah. yeah. It's, no, it's it's full tilt, Fulci. It's yeah. it's gross and it's yeah. nonsensical, but it's it's a blast if you're in that kind of a mood. Right. And if you're at a party and you're going to get drinks and you walk across a screen and you see someone like someone's face being boiled up with acid and you're like, oh. Fulci. Hey, that right. is a good kind of party. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, and what I like about it too, I'm a big fan and I've always been a fan of these moments in genre cinema that literally make you take pause and make you think, what the, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> and uh, I love being in, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of curmudgeon uh, who goes to the movies and hates when people talk unless mm-hmm. I'm at a like rock'em sock'em B movie, cult movie, because I sort of love that moment when people lose their shit. And uh, I think the joy of playing something like the Beyond at a party is you have those moments at a party when a movie's on in the background where you start talking to your friend and then like maybe you glance at the screen and you're like, wait, what is going on? (laughs) And I think that that's kind of uh, the sort of thing that I myself would enjoy curating because I like uh, sort of watching people fall in and out of it because Mm -hmm. when it pulls Mm -hmm. them back in, there's something really delicious about that. It's Mm -hmm. sort of, I guess, of a, a, a mind fuck. Uh, which is the best gift, really. <laughs> <sighs> and the reason, uh, you know, I always, when we do these, we bring it around to me so I can make a suggestion. And I didn't plan one ahead because I wanted to see what your suggestions were and see if I could come up with a perfect amalgam of them. Mm. So we've got this sort of outrageous oddity of the beyond with the rock and roll queerness of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So if it's my birthday party and those are two of the things... What's my triple feature? What is the what is the final film? And I guess it's got to be Brian De Palma's I knew it. Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, because it is a rock and roll horror movie that's fucking weird. <laughs> and, uh, I think it would play it would play in a great double feature with Rocky Horror. Absolutely. Uh, because of course it's full of rock music. Uh, have you ever seen this movie? No. I think Oof. you would very much dig it. Uh, it's it is the Phantom of the Opera story uh, mixed with Faust, and it's set at a uh, record label in the 70s. Oh. And what it is is this, uh, it, the record label is ruled over by a CEO who is sort of like the the, the record guru, uh, the Clive Davis of this universe. Played by Paul Williams. And he's great. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're trying to find the next act because their current rock band, the Juicy Fruits, is, they're on their way out. <gasps> the Juicy Fruits are out. Yeah, they're on their way out. And uh, he's trying to find a perfect... Uh, uh, follow-up act and this this man comes who's a singer songwriter and he plays a song and he and uh, the record producer likes it but he doesn't like him so he's just like we'll just kill him and take his song but they they fail in the mission and he becomes the phantom who haunts the uh, who haunts the record label and in the meantime there's a singer who's played by Jessica Harper who appears in the uh, Rocky Horror sequel Shock Treatment Jessica Harper comes and tries to audition for a band and they both fall in love with her and they start fighting over her and it's like a rock and roll horror movie with like acid like crazy trippy sequences yes yes and uh 
it's really kind of gay. Uh, oh, oh, very. Yeah, beef, yeah, especially. Yeah, yeah, there's like a flamboyant like Mick Jagger rock singer who's like, if this is happening, I'm not. You know, <laughs> it's just like really amazing. Uh, so I think those three films together would make uh, a perfect celebration for for anybody. Not Any just me. party with Phantom is yeah. the kind of party yeah. I want to be at. Wow. Yeah, Phantom of the Paradise, Rocky Horror, The Beyond. I would say that these films are all a little bit beyond. Mm. Uh, so another thing that's happening, it's not just my birthday, but uh, for those of you who have been keeping track of uh, Dead for Filth over the last year, uh, the show began last August. And so we're now about at a year of Dead for Filth, and we're approaching our 50th episode. I know Ryan is a regular listener of the show, and of course, Drew, she produces it, so she's been hearing it all along. Uh, I'm wondering if now that we have a year in the can, are there any moments over the show's history that stick out as particular favorites for you, whether it's from your episode or others? Hmm. Uh, yes, I. My uh, general favorite is just becoming friends with all of the people from your show. <laughs> the alumni. I say yes. I've I've spent an hour with you already. Nice to meet you. I know your name. My name is Ryan. <laughs> I actually Matthew Montgomery of the Montgomery Twins. Uh, I met him at an audition earlier this week, and I see him walk in, and I look at his resume to see which one, and I say, "Why, well, hello. I I know exactly who you are and a little bit about you. And and my name's Ryan, and I'm I'm a friend." of my cousin and, uh, and, uh, and I've listened to your episode it was great <laughs> <laughs> and so um, you know I think that uh, that was probably one of the the highlights of your show is it, it truly is a full community that um, I'm really lucky to have immersed myself in and, and, and I learned so much from the show and then actually meeting these people is uh, really wild one story I want to tell that isn't necessarily, I mean, it's a standout moment, but maybe for the wrong reasons because of my mispronunciation of a word that only Ryan clued in on uh, <laughs> yes. that, that led to a whole Enemies of Dorothy sketch. It's true. In... Yeah. Uh, the episode with Michelle T, who I love uh, and I've worked with and produced, and Michelle, as we uh, referenced in the episode, is a very notable tarot reader. Yeah. Uh, and for some reason, in the course of the episode, I kept calling it... Tarot. Tarot. Uh, and Ryan became obsessed with this. I was. Li I, I listened in my car, and uh, I literally pulled over to make a note of um, our... This what has now uh, been out for a bit, is spiritual outing for enemies of Dorothy and uh, I had to write it down I was like I don't know what it is but we're doing something with tarot cards and whoever the tarot reader is is going to call it tarot <laughs> <laughs> because she literally wrote the modern book on tarot cards and she after you had said tarot <laughs> she had said tarot and then you still repeated even <laughs> after that you repeated Oh, yes, to the trope. trope. <laughs> and uh, it really stuck out to me. I was like, this is amazing. I want to be in that room. I'm kind of in that room, but I want to just see what their faces are. <laughs> when this is happening, did Michelle pick up? Well, you know, the, I mean, Michelle's very cool. Uh, and one of the things I will say that I've been hosting in various capacities, different shows and live events for a long time. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think when you are just calm about things, it's not that mistakes don't happen, mm. but sometimes they lead to better stuff. Yeah. I mean, we ended up getting a sketch out of it yeah. that, you know, did I very well. And it sketch. starred Lottie Ferris Knowles, mm -hmm. who is uh, 
a former guest of the show as mm-hmm. well. Speaking of that interconnected community. Yep, exactly. But we've had moments in the show that uh, sometimes I'll like misspeak and then I'll go back and fix it just so it's like I give correct information. But sometimes a misstep leads to something interesting. Like mm-hmm. when Tom Blunt was on, uh, I uh, read something wrong in his bio and he uh, corrected me and I was like, oh, I'll just fix it later. But then as he was correcting me, he was like, no, I didn't actually write for them. He said, but I had uh, done this piece about doom cakes, which is the theory that anytime a cake appears yeah, in, that. in a movie, mm. it leads to something bad. Yeah, right, right, and right. then he was like, and those places wrote about it. And so then when he was explaining the history of doom cakes, I was like, this is so interesting. Yeah, it's very and, uh, happy thing that, yeah, that came up. That I was like, I'm glad to be wrong because otherwise we would have never talked about it. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of cool. I like that you mentioned the, the sense of community because one of the things that was always the mission statement of Dead for Filth, I mean, obviously I come from the world of horror and I wanted to bring people uh, and creators and friends of mine uh, and writers and drag queens and bon vivants and punk rockers and everybody like in uh, to share their history and preserve that queer history. But one of the things that was sort of a secondary mission, and I think that we've been trying to show with the show, is that listen to all of these diverse histories, all the different places that people come from and what they've achieved. You can do it. And it is a small community. Like we mm-hmm. are, we as LGBTQ plus people, uh, we have to take care of each other and we have to be there for each other and look at what we can achieve on our own and look at what we can achieve together. And I think that it makes me very happy to know uh, that guests of the show have sought each other out after being on the show yeah. if they didn't know each other already. Because when, um, when Jacqueline Chesson and I were down at uh, Comic-Con, like I, I went in, I went somewhere and then came back and I see Jacqueline, like just drinking at the bar with someone else that they had connected because of dead for filth. And I'm like, mm. great. No, I have a list. I have like a kill bill list. <laughs> I, uh, actually, I know Vander Von Ott and uh, the other Montgomery twin, Daniel is going to be at scare LA this, uh, this scare this year yes and so i'm seeking them out i'm well, seeing them out. i will find them i uh, i'm gonna just say hey hey i was on <laughs> i was on dead for Phil too i know you well and didn't you do an event uh with bitch with bitch pudding recently too yeah yeah mm. yeah actually bitch is uh so lovely now that we've connected on social media um honestly a lot more bitch uh we did a uh, la gamer party where they got bitch to host the event and it was playstations uh, for e3 the the convention the gamer convention that they have it was playstations first ever lgbt uh, after party i don't know if they've had an official after party before but this was an lgbt after party and uh, had all the official merch and we got a, a total gamer queen Horror gamer queen that she a big nerd, mm. huge nerd. And I say that with love, but bitch is the only guest that we've ever had yeah. on the show who at the end, when I ask uh, for contact info, uh, like we're like, you know, where can people find you? Usually people give their Twitter or their Facebook page or their Instagram. Did she, she do Twitch? Is she that... gave her PlayStation account. Play- like, she's oh, like, yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah come yeah. Play, play with me. Yeah. Uh, sadder. And uh, I love, I, by the way, one of my favorite questions, as simple as it is, is asking people where people can find them because some people like are so into social media and other people will just be like, I don't, when Philip Ford was on, he was mm-hmm. like, don't find me. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of admire that too. So. Oh, he's, he seems like a character. He is a character. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a, a dream. Uh, what about you, Drew? You have been here since the beginning. So you've seen, I have, I've seen guests come, but I've seen guests go, uh, <laughs> as a big, 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 big fan of, uh, classic cinema. 
there was no more guest and no more episode I was more excited to be a part of and to listen to uh, than Veronica Cartwright when she was on. Not only is she just a spectacular human being, she is so nice and so lively, but all of her stories about, oh, you know, being on Alien, working with Ridley, working with Hitch, Mm -hmm. outstanding stories. And it's great to hear directly from her to be like, yeah, Alien, it's about Dick. It's a yeah. movie about dicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite moments, uh, just in general, because I remember sitting here thinking, I'm like, Veronica Cartwright just like laid out. She, mm. I think the actual quote was, uh, it's about a, it's about dicks. Who doesn't? Who's not obsessed with dicks? And I'm yep. like, Veronica Cartwright just said that on my show. <laughs> That's really crazy. Um, I remember where I was when I heard that. <laughs> uh, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was in West Covina driving back. And I remember hearing this and being like, oh, my God, where is the cause of your accident? Yeah, that's how I got my accident. But like that. And then you and those kids from prom had to hide that body. (laughs) And uh, that's well, that's for the next summer. Yes. Wow. Uh, no, that's a that's a good one. Veronica Carr. It was definitely uh, amazing. Uh, I really uh, for me. Every episode is special, and I always mm-hmm. say that because I think part of the fun of this, and I, I spoke a bit, little bit about this when we were talking a, a second ago about what everyone brings and the sense of community, but every, everyone who's been on has at least, at the very least, shared one story that I think is so important for just the create the creativity of it all, the queerness of it all, and just kind of like the sense of like what can be achieved and, uh, or just, just a fun little like tale. Like I think of, uh, Rena Riffle's story, uh, of, uh, David Lynch just being on set with him and how he was just sort of like, you can't keep looking at the sky. Cause if you look at the sky, I'm going to have to put something there yeah. because it never occurs to David Lynch that it could just be a shot of the sky. It's gotta be yeah. something really weird yeah. or, uh, things more grounded and serious. Like when Mark Andreco was on and, uh, he told this story about how, when he created love is love to raise money after the the Orlando Pulse shootings oh, and like yeah. meeting with some of the uh, mm. the families and just the impact that had. And mm. I know that that book is now in its fifth or sixth reprinting and they keep raising money for different charities. And I just really like seeing uh, how the community and creativity intersect. And of course we're dead for filth. Like, you know, we have our moments that are serious and we have our moments that are filthy. Like, you know, the very next episode after Mark bitch was on and she, <laughs> uh, I think within the first two minutes talked about come <laughs> and that's what I love about hosting the show is that anything is possible mm-hmm. and that makes me very excited uh, so yeah I have a lot of favorite moments uh, and all of them are my favorite moments. I appreciate I was thinking the other day about the Christmas episode holiday special if you will uh, where um, Chris was telling the story about the uh, religious haunted houses the hell house yeah because yeah. I'm really still fascinated by that idea yeah Well, one of the things I did for this episode was I reached out to our fans and listeners and and folks on the World Wide Web and asked them to send some questions. I uh, got some on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, I just said, and if you have questions about horror, if you have questions about the show, whatever, or just something fun for us for this special episode, I got some. I got some here. Uh, This, yeah, this is speaking of anything could happen. That's right. Some of these you might have seen because I answered some of them on Instagram, but I'm asking again and. I'm putting it all to you. Oh, nice. Mm. So our first question comes from Instagram, and it is a Mary fuck kill question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it asks us, uh, would you Mary fuck kill Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, 
Michael Myers. Hmm. Oh. I'd fuck Freddy. Really? Yeah. Um, Freddy? Here's the thing. Freddy Krueger can do whatever he wants with his body. Okay. All right. I feel like that could be fun. Hmm. That's a good point, actually. Well, I was I was going to go marry Freddy because, you know, he's the only one with real personality. Am <laughs> I right? Really like, there's talk about the, the conversations. The endless conversations. You can spend a lifetime with that. Right. But you could talk at Michael or Jason. <laughs> you know what? The, I like the way you're thinking, Drew. <laughs> I'm much better at that. You're right. Wow. Okay. I don't I'd, know. I'd marry Michael. He seems like a family man. Mm, no, kill Michael. Really? Michael, well, I think I talked about this on the Christmas special, but like that was like one of the first horror movies where I was just petrified of it. It was the music, the the stalking in the distance and then uh, disappearing. The, there's something about that almost human mask mm-hmm. that's just, it was so disturbing as a kid. That That's why I'm actually super excited about the... Oh, um, the new David the, Gordon Green film, yeah. Yeah, because it's like, it, it really affected me as a young child of like, I would have real nightmares about that character, so I gotta kill. Like, Oof. I loved um, H2O with the head chopping yeah. off. I'm I a big fan that. of H2O. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, so... I would fuck Freddy, marry Michael, and kill Jason. Okay. Well, I mean, I would marry Freddy, fuck Jason, and kill Michael. I mean, uh, 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 there's just something about, I don't know, i just thinking about those three. There's something about that big m- man. Man of a Jason. Man of a Jason. Yeah. All right, what's odd is like my answer is exactly the same as Ryan's uh, because I would marry Freddie because I think that there's just something entertaining about him. Uh, the theatricality of Freddie. I've mm. said many mm. times that He's I think drag queen. he is yep. a drag yeah. queen or the Ethel Merman of horror. Uh, <laughs> I really think that I uh, would have a great time with him also over the course of the uh, the franchise, like he is not opposed to going to the beach, <laughs> like he cooks. Um, maybe he loves co- kids. Yeah, well, maybe a little too much. We can. We, that's a little, that's a little side discussion that we need to talk about. <laughs> uh, but um, fuck Jason because for the sole reason that he is an unstoppable force. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, how many times is he... Yeah, like, girl, yes. He's got endurance. Yeah. There's a word that comes to mind. There is no no stopping him, and I'm like, yeah, that's a weekend in Palm Springs. Let's go. Yeah. And, uh... And then uh, kill Michael. And it's not that I have any disrespect for Michael Myers. Obviously, he is like a proto slasher. But mm. I don't think you can trust Michael Myers. And mm. the reason is, is like he learned to drive and no one even knew. So it's sort of like <laughs> if he's not even talking about the basics, what what else are we not hearing? It just bothers me. Uh, you know, and I'm sure I'm saying something that every listener knows who's an entrenched horror fan, but I just want to bring it up on the air since you mentioned that one of the things that scared you about Michael Myers is his very human mask. The mask was modeled after William Shatner. Mm-hmm. It was a Captain Kirk mask. Oh, what that is they it? Yep. I think you talked, I learned that I think on this show. Uh, because nothing is more terrifying than Bill Shatner <laughs> yeah. coming at you in the dark of night. Yeah. I'm going to get a tweet storm from him now. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I love TJ Hooker. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yes. So another question that I got is uh, kind of a more general one, and I'm sure it's one we've answered on the show in uh, many respects, but it's a two-parter. Who is your favorite final girl? And then I will ask the second part. Oh, no. Hmm. Um, 
I well, I grew up like Scream was like my my age. So you you're know? a Sydney Prescott. So I think kind of Sydney guy. Prescott is really someone that you know. When I was thinking about oh, who are the girls that I'm gonna have be my girlfriend? I had an older brother, so I was out. You know, that was always the pressure. Right. Uh, I, I always imagined her. You know what I mean? Like she was like in in my age range. She was the the good virgin at the beginning of the movie, and like she was the one that. Got away with it and then got away with it again. Like, oh my God, a sequel. Oh my God, it's good too. Oh, and then getting away with it again. She's, yeah, I think pretty classic. Yeah. But I think that's uh, someone that's popping in my head. I, now this is not a slasher, but she was the final girl and she does continue through the franchise. So I believe it counts nonetheless. Um, Ashley Lawrence and Hellraiser. Because that's a fucked up way to end a movie. <laughs> it is a fucked up way to end a movie. Um, and she clearly does not have a good life going forward, as Hellbound has shown. Uh, no, I would definitely... But can, she's a delight. Yeah, Christy Cotton, as played mm-hmm. by uh, Ashley Lawrence. I think of that uh, her as a final girl. Um, although I think Pinhead is a very different villain than all of the ones we've been talking about. Oh, absolutely. He's very Shakespearean. No, what I love about Pinhead is he's a character that speaks only in statements. So it's sort of like when you have a villain that's declarative and not necessarily interacting with you. To me, that's fascinating. Like when I went uh, with the aforementioned Frank Chaffee, we went to the 4K restoration uh, screening of Hellraiser at the Beyond Fest. And when Christy opens the door and Pinhead's standing there and he's like, bring us the one who did this. You're like, I just started <laughs> laughing in the audience. And I forget how serious Hellraiser fans are. They're like, it's like deadly serious. And like people are like, shh. And I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm like he literally like is he He's just like spewing sentences in this like dramatic way that like anything could sound scary if Pinhead says it's like it is part of your balanced breakfast. <laughs> like I just really am obsessed with that kind of like villainy because it's just so uh, amazing. But also like you're gonna shush me during Hellraiser. Yeah, come on. <laughs> There's a fucking dragon at the end of the movie. Like let's just remember what this movie is. It's a great film, but. Uh, all right, so Christy Cotton from Hellraiser, uh, Sydney Prescott. I fall into tricky territory because I've worked with a lot of actresses from the Friday the 13th franchise. So if I pick one from there, I feel like I'm going to insult somebody else. Uh, So I will completely just like take that off the table. Uh, I guess my final girl is Lisa Wilcox, who plays Alice in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. That was the first Nightmare on Elm Street I saw. Uh, I love that she's sort of like meek and mild, but then she has to kind of like take back the night. It's there's like a real sort of like feminist uh, narrative for her. Uh, I love the very, very 80s scene at the end where she's like looking in the mirror and she's like putting on little parts of like all of their costumes. And it's like an 80s montage (laughs) where she's like tying the bandana and it's like she's going to go fight Freddy. And you're like, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but like this is great. (laughs) Yeah. Puts the nunchucks in her belt. She never uses them. But it's just like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. Wait, she does try and hit him with the nunchucks, doesn't she? That's right. Uh, She doesn't use them effectively. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's in combat. Yeah, so she's cool. Those are those are three ladies uh, that we just mentioned that I definitely uh, would look to save the day if we needed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So now the second part of the question, and this is the one that I struggled with, and I didn't even answer it uh, when someone asked it, asked it on Instagram, but I'm going <laughs> to put it to you because we're here. Uh, Shit. Who's a final girl that if you were in the movie, you would kill? Oh, that if I was in the film yes. as a killer, yes. I would kill? Oh, oh God! Who's annoying? <laughs> yeah, then you know, somebody very annoying. So someone that typically makes it to the end of the movie, correct? Normally, mm-hmm. 
Oh. And this was asked by the internet, not a question I particularly love, but I'm curious to see how it goes. Interesting. Hmm. Who don't I like? <laughs> well, it doesn't even have to be that. Like, yeah. who, who's a formidable enemy that you wouldn't necessarily need to stop as well? Sydney, I think, would be a great answer because yeah. bitch does not go down. Yeah, she's tough. Yeah. Also, is Gail Weathers a final girl? Because she survives every yeah. time, too. Maybe her, because I'm done with mag- magazine journalism. <laughs> yeah. I pick Gail Weathers. No offense, Courtney Cox. You look amazing, and I was a huge fan of the two-season arc of Dirt on FX, but I just really <laughs> am concerned that maybe in today's world we don't need more uh, pundits on television. This is, I mean, this isn't going to be a popular opinion, but I'm not a fan of, like, the middle Halloween sequels. Okay. So, the little girl, I can't even remember her name. Uh, Jamie Lloyd. She's played by Danielle Harris, who I adore, uh, but I understand, because it's sort of like when the franchise, like, you either love those or you don't. Exactly. So, So I would choose Jamie Lloyd, because... It's it's the whole thing of like, oh, is she somehow related to Michael? Is she going to start her own big thing? And nope. Here I'm the H2O. I yeah. mean, <laughs> spoilers. Is, well, yeah, spoilers. But like, yeah. if you don't know this by now, because it's like 27 years ago, <laughs> uh, Jamie Lloyd does get killed in part six. Yeah. She dies so Paul Rudd's leather pants can live. And that to me <laughs> is, uh, you know, her ultimate sacrifice was for like young and sexy puka shelled Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's outfit in Halloween six is the most 90s thing to ever 90s. <sighs> he's in leather pants. He's got like a choker puka shell necklace. He basically is like every boy I dated in college. And I am here for it. <laughs> so. um, what about uh, the Resident Evil franchise? Okay. What about mm. Alice? Yeah, she she should she should have died a few movies ago. All right. I think I mean is she dead technically? Is she not I a zombie or something? That I mean I really loved the first one and I'll give you the second one. I think the second one was great. It was filmed in Toronto. Uh, I was living there at the time. Right. I really felt the great connection to. Oh my God! This Hollywood movie, and that's just down the street. So like, I, I'll give I'll give you the second one. All right, but then just kill her. She should have died. <laughs> like, and now it's like it's turned into not so much of this horror movie, which is. And you know what? You know, if you want to get baked and, and and just watch some mindless kind of movie, and and you're guaranteed action and thrills and and zombies and monsters. Right. But it's like, what are we? doing fast and the furious like 15 like you know what i mean kill the franchise ah. and plus she's a superhero now you know right. she's unkillable mm. which makes her not much of a threat yeah there's there's been no threat since like apocalypse i have a deep affinity for the resident evil franchise because it just seems like uh so wacky like in terms of like just from film to film they're just like let's go for it steve <laughs> and, uh, because like <laughs> the first one yeah the the first movie uh is definitely a survive in, inside of a house it's a survival story mm. so they're like in a house that's kind of a haunted house but it's like a lot more than a haunted house oh so cool oh that i can i like that yeah you know? and then the second one is like Die Hard. Yeah. Where they're like in the it's, streets and things are blowing up. And then there's like, like this uh, like Power Rangers mashed potatoes monster that yeah. is like fighting them. Oh, yeah. Total Power Rangers. Yeah. He, yeah. That nemesis monster is like straight up like a reader repulsa is like, grow. And it's just like it just happens. And then like the third movie is a Mad Max movie. The fourth movie is like a prison movie. And then like I don't even know what's going on from there. But like it's a lot. There's like 10 more coming out. Right. Is, there's not another new one in the works. I'm sure there is. You know, uh, every time it's just an 
eye roll. Like, let's kill her. <laughs> or let her live forever. I want as many Resident Evil movies <laughs> as there are seasons of Supernatural. Let's just keep going. Like, let's, I, I want Alice and the Winchester brothers to, like, roll off into the sunset together. <laughs> uh, that's my dream. Okay, so final girls, our final girls who want, we want to live, our final girls who sadly had to choose to die, although you two didn't seem too sad about it. Uh, all right. From Instagram, horror movie you would like to remake. Oh, you know what? I was actually thinking of this the other day. Um, it's an v- odd choice. Um, Sleepwalkers, the McGarris film. Sure. Oh. Because with the, the creepy cat. With the creepy cat dog people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they're dogs or cats, but they don't like cats. I can tell you that. Right. Um, that's a very, very interesting movie uh-huh. with an outstanding cast. Madge Amick is like at her true charming 90s best mm-hmm. dancing mm-hmm. in the Arrow Theater. But like that movie is set up from the wrong initial perspective because it gives you the like incestuous mom and son thing as like the heroes and then halfway through he's like I'm gonna rape and kill you now and it's like oh no so if it was if you remade it as more about Machinamic's character mm-hmm. and then it was like ooh there's a mysterious boy in town who can shapeshift and he's a dog person but I'm also into him maybe banging his mom yeah and then the reveal of oh he's, he's fucking his mom is more at the end and not at the first 10 minutes of the movie I mean I don't know why, but I feel like that sleazy aspect is very important to that film. Like, oh, incredibly to be, yeah, important. Yeah. Like, it would sort of be like if you made Flowers in the Attic and you were like, but the siblings are just friends. I'm like, no, they're <laughs> fucking. Like, that's, that's the whole point of the movie. We don't get the, the sequel unless they bang. Yeah. So. Sleepwalkers could be like really, really, really fun and really, 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 really scary. It's right. just like. And in the world of, of remakes, I think it'd be fresh. Yeah. 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 People yeah. are doing a lot of Stephen King right now. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, Mark Hamill could reprise his role as cop. Oh my God, he is in that. Um, what about in, on that vein, Christine? Is I that, love the Carpenter Christine. Yeah, I love it. I just I remember I think updating it though, doing it today. I mean, what would that be like? A Prius. I, that's what I was thinking. Well, no, I, I mean, drive a Prius. I was like, like it'd be like a 1970 Chevelle. So unassuming. You know the thing about a Prius that makes it scary is they're quiet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just that scene of like coming up behind them and there's no noise. They don't hear it at all. They don't have to have headphones on or anything. They're just literally walking down the street at night. He died in an environmentally sound way. <laughs> so unsuspecting. Can we do that? I would love for it to be a like a true eco car and they're like, yes. we have to kill the Christine. No, you can't kill it. It's yes. the only prototype. Yes. It'll save our environment. Uh, that would be an interesting... <laughs> that's great. Oh my God. See, that's, yeah, that's what I'm there feeling. It's, it's a self-driving Christine. Yeah. Um, yes, a self-driving. See, there's some horror right here, there. We're already writing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not to, not, not to knock the original. I mean, I, love I think it. I think that's one of those uh, movies where... Maybe it's because it, was, it sort of nailed it. Yeah. That, like, you know. It's, we, it's a they broad don't touch concept. Everything else. There's a lot yeah. you can do with yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think we're knocking anything we're discussing today. I think because of the <laughs> the way these questions are framed, we <laughs> there has to be a little glibness. Otherwise, yeah. what's the fun? But, uh, uh, oh, God, remakes. Uh, what would I want to remake? What haven't I actually pitched that I can, <laughs> can really talk about? Um, I would like to remake Night of the Comet. Uh, it is a 80s movie, for those of you who haven't seen, about two girls in the valley who happen to just be hanging out when the zombie apocalypse happens. And there's something to me about uh, valley girls versus th- the end. 
that is appealing. Uh, I think that even if I were to write a remake of uh, Night of the Comet, I would still set it in the 80s mm-hmm. uh, because I think there's something about just that valley girl of the 80s aesthetic that like I really like. And that mall aesthetic that very yeah. much permeates that movie. I kind of, that's what I want to see. I want to see that that sort of, in fact, why not just make it on the same night and it's just different valley girls across town? I would actually love to see an anthology yeah. of Night of the Comet. That'd be great. But no, I just love like you've got Kelly Maroney in her like cheerleader skirt with like her like machine gun and she's like, ah, and I was just like, yes, those were the, like speaking of final girls, like when I was growing <laughs> yeah. up, those were the kind of ladies I liked. I was we like, oh, at the light. Exactly. That movie's so good. Uh, and I think is is just uh, in, in kind of that like space where it would uh, be a fresh take if, mm-hmm. it, if it was done. And um, it's not one that's as popular as well-remembered by people outside of the niche yeah. community. Although it was a very big commercial success when it came really? out. Yeah, I think it, it made like uh, a huge box office that, that week uh, that it came out. So it, it was one of those where it uh, happened to be an indie darling of... of Good, good standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last question uh, it's a, is a pretty basic one that uh, we get from time to time here on the show. But what is your favorite horror sequel? Ooh, number two. Or number seven, depending on the franchise. That's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to say Apocalypse because <laughs> I already said that, but I do think it's fantastic. When she's like running up the side of the building yes. and she's like bungee corded to like a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, that was our city hall. That's Toronto City Hall. Bless Canada. Bless Canada. <laughs> We've talked a lot about Canada t- today. Well, well, we talked a, about Canadian horror films. It's a great country. It is. <laughs> Doing better than some. We're looking at you, Paul mm. Manafort. Uh, <laughs> did I just date this episode? I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, hopefully that is... Evergreen. Well, not hopefully, but... <laughs> Um, I am a really big fan of Halloween 2. This is like the fifth mention of Halloween, but Halloween's a classic franchise. Halloween 2. Terrifying. uh, (laughs) What's the tagline for that? Like the rest of the night? Uh, He came home. More of the night that he came home. Yeah, it's again. I prefer Halloween 2. Really? To Halloween. Sacrilege. Yes, I am aware. I think it's so much fun. I think it is the sleazy good fun from a slasher that I anticipate. And I just like, I can watch that one on a loop. And it's got like, it's got a great big set piece ending with the fire and it like puts the story to rest and then they brought it back and now they're bringing it back again. But I just think it's a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. It's got a memorable cast of characters just outside of Jamie Lee and Donald Pleasance. Uh, the soundtrack is incredible, thanks to John Carpenter. Um, and um, I think it's a lot of fun. Halloween 3 also deserves its own props in its own separate universe. I never watched Halloween 3. Uh, what, Oof, what makes it a delight? Like, this year. Is it a delight? Yeah, yeah. It is. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Michael is shaking his head violently. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Ginger Snaps 2. <gasps> really? Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen that one. Love it. 
Love it. It's so good. I, it's better than the first movie. The first movie was really? like good. I'm a Nothing giant Ginger Snaps fan. I uh, love But this movie. one takes place like again immediately after and it just really fills out the world. The third one they go like back in time <laughs> and it's like which is good fun. You know werewolf uh, old timey village right. uh, story. That's good fun. But uh, no it, so it takes place in this um, mental hospital that's really secluded in the woods and then uh, one of the wolf comes and starts Stalking uh, the oh god, what's the sister's name? The not Ginger. Yeah. Oh wait, what is her name? Um, but she's she's the best. She's the best. And so uh. the characters that you meet, there's like a creepy little girl, and everyone's like these sort of like, you know teens with mental problems and they all think that she's obviously just going through some psychosis seeing a wolf outside stalking <laughs> her but now everyone you know they you know are, they, they're proved wrong in the end with it's the, the same actresses from the first movie yeah. right oh, yeah I should see that and she's haunted by uh, Ginger and uh, so she appears and oh it's great oh, oh it's awesome I really want to see really that. good 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 sequel all right, just to settle this once and for all for listeners, because I get asked about sequels almost any time I do someone else's podcast, and I frequently talk about it on my own, and because it's my birthday, I'm about to hit you with a fuck ton of, of sequels. I have already said multiple times on this show that Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master, is my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. For the Friday the 13th movies, I go 2, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, for the Texas Chainsaw movies, of course, I like Part 2. Shout out, Caroline Williams. We love you. Uh, let's see. Uh, Leprechaun in the Hood. Return of the, <laughs> Return yes. of the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, Bride of Chucky, of course, is a hands-down oh, fucking yeah. phenomenal mm-hmm. yep. sequel. Very good. Uh, yeah, but what franchises am I missing? I mean, Return of the Living Dead Part 2 is okay. Return of the Living Dead 3 is uh, amazing. Much better, yeah. And I will uh, end this tirade on a massive shout-out for the completely maligned and underrated but supremely amazing Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, is one of the best sequels that uh, has ever <laughs> sequeled because it is so outrageously unhinged and crazy. And it has nothing to do with Michael Myers, and it has everything to do with Tom Atkins chewing scenery, uh. and I absolutely <laughs> cannot recommend it enough. Uh, it's a good one to uh, watch this Halloween season. Just watch it now. It's August, but live your best fucking life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so those are all of mine. Uh, um, honestly, if it exists in franchise form, I'm not against powering through. You gotta, you gotta just binge those babies. <laughs> mm. Also, Killer Tomatoes Eat France. I love that one. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. You can't, can't go wrong with a tomato movie. Oh, Toxic Avenger 4. Citizen Toxie. Yeah. I, I mentioned it earlier, but Hellbound is just Oh, Hellbound is great. Spectacular. And if you're going to go into the trauma franchise, make sure you watch Return to Newcomb High because I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I like knowing that people are supporting work that we do. So. Yeah, good. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's great. Yay. So those are our Internet questions. Uh, this has just been kind of like a wild and unruly little gathering special episode. That's how we do here on the special episodes. Uh, Ryan, what's next for you in the world? What are you working on? What do you have coming up? Well, um, I'm glad you asked. I actually have. And, and it's tough because I'm not. They don't want me to mention Rocky Horror or Hedwig in any sort of promo for this. But I think maybe that's just like posting and, uh, 
coming back to it because uh, I'm in a cabaret called the Mitchell Sanatorium. It's going up at three clubs in Hollywood uh, and that's coming out in October. We open and it is a musical cabaret mashup. So they, they fall under a lot of parody and uh, sort of cabaret um, rules that legally they, they can't, you know, so, but don't say the, the, what I just mentioned, but there's a lot of songs from Rocky, a lot of songs from Hedwig and, uh, and so I'm going to be in that starting October 14th and uh, I play um, a little character from all of them have some good singing and dancing a lot of slutty stuff I wear uh, virtually zero clothing and I'm on stage writhing and humping the whole time so if you want to see that come see me <laughs> I mean he's doing it right now <laughs> <laughs> it's the high heels I wore for the, I'm wearing right now I appreciate it mm-hmm uh, anything new in your world, Drew, that you want to report on before we head off? Uh, nothing but graphic design work, doing a lot of posters for a lot of great uh, uh, films and uh, music artists out there. I just completed uh, a really, really great one for uh, some films that can be playing at the NOLA Festival down in New Orleans in great. a little bit. Um, I've got some feature posters here and there coming out and I'm always available for graphic design work. So Woo! yeah, for those of you who, I is. Uh, who keep up in the world of Instagram and Twitter, uh, Drew designs uh, original poster art that she drops every single day. Daily. I, daily. Because uh, I'm insane. Yeah, her stuff is amazing. You gotta <laughs> uh, see it. Drew also designed the uh, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Dead for Filth poster that we unleashed at the convention, uh, of which I'm a big fan of the artwork. Uh, and and uh, yeah, so there's just always some great stuff. Speaking of Dead for Filth business, this is to check and see how many of you actually pay attention to things we announce on the show. As you know, this is the birthday episode. We're uh, here eating cake and living our best lives, uh, minus the cake. The doomiest cake. The doomiest cake. Uh, and next week is our 50th episode celebration um, with a very, very special guest uh, who is an all-star in my book. I can't wait for you to find out who uh and then after that we were going to take a month hiatus because we just did 50 of these plus several <laughs> uh several uh special episodes so you have something like 60 hours of entertainment that you can catch up on while we're uh, just taking a sleep yeah and then of course because we are who we are and we do what we do we will return in october with a grand halloween plan and some guests that will truly scare you. So join us next week for the 50th. Thank you for spending a little bit of my birthday with me. And uh, thank you to Ryan and Drew for joining me on the couch for this very informal uh, but fun spook fest. Thank you. Thank you. And happy birthday. Yeah, big happy birthday. It's our pleasure. Do we to get drop to sing by. to him? Well, we please don't. Happy don't, you, birthday no, they don't want to it. you. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, Michael. Michael. Shall we? Shall we? <laughs> That's a la Frankenfurter. Oh, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> uh, well, well, with that, we're going to end this science fiction double feature. <laughs> I'm your host, Michael Verratti, yours always in glam and gore. Good night and good luck. <laughs>